Hi there, and welcome to Vineyard Church Delaware County's podcast. My name is Michael Hansen. I'm the lead pastor here at the church, and I am so glad that you have joined us for this week's message. I'm going to have a little bit more to say at the end, but for now, enjoy the teaching. All right, we'll give Andrew a warm welcome to the stage. Thanks, Vicki. Hey, it's awesome to be with you guys. Great to be with you in person. Welcome to those of you joining us online. Uh, if you were here last week, or whether in person or online, we kicked off a two-part mini-series that we're doing called When We Gather, that Michael started off. Um, well, we're looking at a couple key areas, that, uh, key spaces that we like to make time for here at the Vineyard, that we really value. Uh, and, and I know I've mentioned this before, but I grew up in a, a more traditional church church setting, attending and participating in church with my family. And when a friend of mine invited me to a vineyard uh, when I was 21 years old, I thought, yeah, I'm 21. Let's go to a vineyard. Let's try some wine. That sounds awesome. And they said, yeah, it's, it's actually a church. It's a vineyard church. I thought, oh, okay, well, do they at least serve wine at communion? You know, like, oh, n- no, no, I think it's just regular juice, and I thought, okay, they need to work on their branding. But besides that, I, no, I went, and, and immediately there were two things, after the first time I ever went to one, two things that were very distinctly different from my own personal experience, my past experience in church. And Michael talked about one of those last week when he talked about worship, when he talked about uh, just the way that we worship in, here in the vineyard. Like, that was so radical to me. The, the, the expectation that God was here, that he was in the room with us, that we could meet with him, the way people worshiped with their voices, with their bodies, that was so different and foreign to me, but I loved it. I was, I was just enamored with it from the very beginning. The second thing that was very distinct and different was what they did at the end, this thing called ministry time, where they prayed for each other. That was so foreign to me. That was so different. Now, prayer wasn't, the idea of prayer wasn't different to me. Growing up in the church, like I had experienced this idea of like, like corporate prayer, like kind of repeat after me kind of prayer, you know? Uh, I had experienced like private prayer, like in church where when we would, you know, be quiet and uh, spend some time with God, uh, you know, just between us and them, like kneeling on a pew, that kind of a prayer. I was used to that. But this idea of taking time at the end of the service where people would actually come forward or be in their seats and a stranger would walk over to them and just and pray for them in person. That was radical to me, whether it was for pain in their body, whether it was something they were going through, something that applied to them in the message, whether they were struggling with some sort of addiction or trying, just struggling in some way or wanting to just experience God in some way. That was so foreign to me. I remember thinking that first time, why would anybody do that in their right mind? Like, why would you, in your right mind, like, let a stranger, like, pray for you, something that's vulnerable, something that, you know, that's personal? Why would you, why would you do that? I, I, and I remember thinking, I figured it out. I figured it out. They drink wine before they come. That's what they do. That's how this vineyard thing works. They come, and they're kind of loosey-goosey, right? And then, and then that's why they're willing to do it. Well, that obviously isn't the case. But I, I was just, it, my paradigm was just so, 
like blown by this idea, but I kept coming back. I, I was just so intrigued by it. I kept coming back to these vineyard gatherings week after week, watching people get prayed for. And sometimes someone would get prayer and they would just kind of be nodding, like in agreement with what the person was saying. Because I, I couldn't hear them. I couldn't hear what was happening. You know, it's, uh, sometimes they would be sobbing. Like I remember this big, muscular, ripped guy just crying like a baby. And I thought, that's a little embarrassing. Right? I remember, or people would be laughing, or people would be shaking, or people would go to their knees. And again, I just, I, I, I had no concept of what this, was, what this was. And I remember thinking, is this real? Is this real? I remember honestly saying, is this fake? Is this like so for show? What is this thing that's happening? It was just so different to me. But as I kept going back, I realized I was going to have to deal with this question one way or the other. Like this was such an important part of what they were doing in the vineyard and making space for. I couldn't just keep going and just not deal with it. I was going to have to either decide, hey, am I going to embrace this? Or am I going to try to discredit this? And so at the time, I was at Ohio State. I was finishing up a degree in biology. And so my training was to think like a scientist. My training was to ask questions to look at the evidence and then draw conclusions based on the evidence. And I thought, that's what I'm going to do. So, I, so one of the first questions that came to my mind was, was essentially this. Is, is there evidence of this kind of activity, this kind of prayer, this kind of experience in the Bible? Is it in the Bible? Because if it's not in the Bible, then I, I don't want anything to do with it, right? But if it's in the Bible, okay, okay, then it has some validity. And so I reread the Gospels over the next couple weeks. I reread the Gospels. I reread Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I, I reread the book of Acts. And again, I say reread because, again, I grew up in church. I had read these books before. But it's interesting <laughs> when you have a certain perspective, how you can read something and totally miss certain things. And now all of a sudden, you have a different lens you're looking through it and, and going towards something. And all of a sudden, you can see things as if it's the first time you've ever seen them before. And that was my experience. What I discovered was that it's all over the place in there. Some people estimate that two-thirds of Jesus' ministry or more involves him doing this kind of stuff, Healing healing people, praying for people, casting out demons out of people. And even if that number's high, right, even if it's 50% or 25%, you take that, those chunks out of the story of Jesus, you take them out of the New Testament, and you have a completely different, much smaller New Testament. And so I began to come across stories and verses in the Bible where Jesus, he didn't just talk about the goodness of God. He didn't just tell us how we should love our neighbors. He, he demonstrated it. He did it. Sometimes people would, people would gather together. Sometimes, well, kind of like we're gathered together here, right? They would gather together, and sometimes in the temple, in a building, sometimes outside by a mountain, sometimes by a lake, and Jesus would preach and he would teach. And, and he would talk about the kingdom of God, and he would do these things. And then what would he do often? Afterwards, he would, he would individually heal people. Corporately, he would teach, like we're doing here. And then he would take time to individually touch people and, and, and see their lives change dra- radically in this, in this kind of a fashion. Not only that, Jesus taught his disciples and followers to do the same thing. You read in the, in the Bible that we read that Jesus sent the disciples out two by two, right? They went like, like, just like Noah's Ark. They went two by two. Uh, but they went 
to out town to town, and they would preach, they would talk about the good news of the kingdom, and then they would demonstrate it, and they would pray for people. And it worked, like they actually like saw things happen. And even after Jesus went to heaven, his followers kept doing this. We read this in Acts 2 in the early church. This is what they did, that when they gathered together, look what it says. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to sharing into meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. Now, again, I had read this passage many times, but I had missed it. I had missed it. You know, we look and we see here, we see here that when the first church gathered together, one of the things they basically did was ministry time. Now, it doesn't say that up there. I see, I know that. I, I can read. It doesn't say, but, but, but I would argue that when it says prayer, that, that that's not just corporate repeat after me prayer, that that's not just silent prayer with them and God, that it, there was at least part of their prayer was inviting the kingdom of God to come on people based upon the very next sentence. Based on the next sentence, a deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. You know, if you think about the four things that it says they did, teaching, right? Teaching. Uh, what was the other? What's the next one? I can't read up here. Fellowship, hanging out together, sharing meals together. The communion used to be a whole meal, it used to be a whole meal together. And prayer, which one of those four would most likely lead or allow space for signs and wonders to occur, right? Well, teaching is great, but that, that's not likely to be it. Hanging out, that's great, but that's not likely to be it. Eating together, maybe you could say Mary Magdalene's green bean casserole was out of this world divine or something like that, but that's not it, right? It's prayer. It's the, it's this, that, so at least part of their prayer uh, was in inviting the Holy Spirit to come and to, to heal and to move and to minister to people. So it was, it was right there. And apparently this was the early church's norm. They did this all the time. This wasn't like one and, a one and done conference, right? Oh yeah, we did that back one time 20 years ago. They did this each and every time they got together. They, they, there, was a, there was teaching, there was fellowship, there was communion. Those were all things I had experienced. But this idea of prayer in a way where things happened, that God was gonna be on the move, that there was this expectation of God to do amazing things, was new to me. It was new to me. But what I discovered, what I discovered is that it, it was true. It really is in the Bible. It really is all throughout the New Testament. We have this evidence of God doing this kind of thing. And so I began to realize, okay, I do have to take this seriously. I do have to really dig deep into this. So that led to an, another, another kind of evidence I began looking for, because that's historical evidence, right? Looking, looking historically to see what God has done in the past. But the other kind of evidence I began looking for is experiential evidence. Like, okay, if it's true and it's in the Bible, then does it still happen today? Does it still happen today? Is it still possible to experience a move of God like this? Was what I was seeing happening at these vineyard gatherings, was it real or was it fake? And so I began to look for that kind of evidence. I began to talk to some of my friends who'd maybe gone a few more times to the vineyard than me uh, and to say, hey, have you ever like let somebody actually pray for you? Have you ever done that? Oh, you have? Oh, well, what was that like? Was it weird? Was it weird? No, it really wasn't that bad. 
Oh, well, tell me about it. Well, well, sometimes, sometimes when somebody prays for me, like, big things do happen. One time I started crying. Oh, no, you're one of those people. You just start crying. Uh, or sometimes, like, I just feel this weight come off of me. Like, there's this freedom, right? Sometimes there's just, there's, sometimes I have pain when I, before I go, and when I leave, I don't. I thought, well, that's, that's amazing. But is it always big stuff? Well, no, not always. Sometimes it's just a subtle sense that God is here, that God loves me. There's a sense of peace that I didn't have before, a sense of joy, a, a, a sense of encouragement. And I would argue now, I would argue now that that's actually a, not a little thing. That's actually a really big thing. Like, like, if the God of the universe touches you in any way, is that not miraculous? If the God of the universe reveals himself to you in even the smallest amount, is that not a big deal? I think it is. I think it is. Uh, and so what I began to realize as I was talking to these people who I trusted, uh, that I realized, okay, at some point, I'm going to have to be vulnerable enough to give this a chance. I'm going to have to be willing to, to, see what, to see for myself. And so one time, the pastor's talk was super applicable to me. It was like they were speaking only to me, like I was the only person in the room. Have you ever, has, has that ever happened to you? Where it's like if, that, if the person had nobody else, but they wrote that sermon for me and me alone, they wouldn't have had to change anything. It was, it was that kind of a talk. And I remember thinking, okay, this is it. This is, this is, this is my chance. This is my shot. You know, let, this makes sense. But I remember being so nervous. I remember feeling basically emotionally naked. But uh, I remember... Uh, when it really started, that it, it didn't feel that way at all, that it was actually wonderful. A guy came up to me, his name was Steve, he introduced myself, or himself to me, and we looked at each other and we realized we had had like Spanish class at Ohio State together. And, I thought, and that was so comforting to me that God would send somebody, the first time I ever had somebody pray for me, somebody I sort of knew. It was just kind of let my nerves down. Uh, but, but when Steve started praying, it was, it was super chill, it was super normal. Uh, he didn't use like big crazy words. He just talked like I think I learned later. Like he always talked. Uh, he he just spoke encouraging words over me, words that I was loved, words that I was forgiven, words that God would help me in this area that I wanted prayer for. And while he was speaking, I just felt this weight, this weight come off of me, and I started bawling. And I thought, oh no, I'm that guy. I'm that guy. I, I make fun of, I was making fun of her, teasing or mocking. If you know me, by the way, I cry all the time now that, I'm, now that I do this and I'm up here all the time. It's like, it's definitely a sign I know that the Holy Spirit is moving when I start weeping. Um, but I just remember leaving like so free, so light. And what he did and what he said was simple. It wasn't like, it wasn't like something that, you know, only a superstar could do. It was simple. And I knew, I knew I had the evidence I've been looking for. I knew that it was real because I had experienced it. Now, I still had one question. And my question was, okay, so this does happen. This is real. But if it still happens, could God use me like he used Steve? Could God use me like he used the disciples, right? Like, 
I knew the eventually the only way was to try, to give it a shot. But I was scared. That was intimidating. Uh, I didn't believe that there was anything innately special about me, so why would God use me? And over time, I learned that was true, actually. <laughs> there isn't anything innately special about me. There wasn't about Steve, and really there wasn't about the disciples either, except for that Jesus chose them, that Jesus chooses to use us. But I was so terrified to fail. I was so terrified to stumble on my words or say the wrong thing. And what I have learned over time is that the pressure is never on the prayer. The pressure is always on God. It is always on him. That when, when we recognize like, hey, I'm just gonna do the best I got and I'm kind of a little deaf, so Lord, if you don't get, tell me what to say, I'm just gonna try my best. If you don't move, I can't make anything happen. Uh, it's not on me. It's on you, God. So, it's, so I'm going to go into this without any pressure on myself. That took me a while to learn. Uh, but this is what I would do at the beginning when I, when I was like trying to get the nerve to like pray for people. I would, we would be at the end, and there would be this, this opportunity to get prayer, and I would just kind of like ignore the person. <laughs> And I would just kind of do one of these, like look out of the corner of my eyes and then look back. And, and usually we were worshiping. So I would just, oh, I'm, I'm just experiencing so much of your presence, Lord. You know, this is just such a great song. I don't, I don't notice that person over there with their hand up, right? And I would wait for somebody else to go over and pray for them. And once somebody else did, I would head right over there. Oh, I didn't see you. I didn't see you there, right? And, and I would just, probably five, five or six times I did this, just put my hand on their shirt and I would just listen. I would just listen. I would just agree. I didn't really say anything because I didn't know what to say. I would just listen and watch and see what happens. And eventually, I knew that God was saying, hey, Andrew, you can do this too. You can do this too. I will, I will, I will. And that fear of failure, I, I, still, still, I still had it, but I still pressed on. I felt like God was saying, you can do this too. It's not on you. It's on me. And I, I felt like he's saying, I want you to be the first person to approach, not always the second person to approach. And I found an old journal entry that I had written a number of years ago when I was first learning and growing in confidence to pray for people. And I want to read it to you because I, I think it's just, it was so encouraging to me to go back and find this. It says this, today at first seemed like a normal morning at church, but I noticed a man wanting to get prayer who goes up a lot. And if I'm honest, I was not excited to go pray for him. There had been a call for healing and he responded. I asked him what he wanted healing for, and he said that he'd pulled a muscle in his lower back playing with his son the day before, and he was stiff, trying to tie his shoes in the morning. I smiled, and I began praying, but part of me could not believe that I was praying for this. Would I ever go up for prayer for something that I would expect to go away in a day or two, and a few Tylenol couldn't relieve? No. Oh. Shouldn't God be spending his time and energy healing those dying of cancer, heart disease, or those in chronic pain? But then I believe God pointed out to me how small and finite I was making him to be, that the creator of the universe could only manage the big healings. The same God, the same God cares as much for those with cancer as this man with an achy back. The kingdom of God, breaking in through Jesus Christ, continuing 
through the Holy Spirit today is for all to experience. If this man can have expectation, then I can have expectation. I laid my hand on his back and prayed a simple prayer. Afterwards, I asked how he felt, and he, he, he sat down in the chair, actually. He reached down and if, as if to tie his shoe and said, I feel great, thanks. He got up and walked away as if it was exactly as he had expected, as if it was just a normal day at church. Maybe for me to see how big my God is, I needed to see how small he could get. I want to invite the worship team to actually come back on up. I know this feels short, right? I know this is quick, quick. We're going to kind of get ready and go back into worship, but that's for a reason, because after worship, I'm going to come back up, and so far I've talked kind of theologically about this, theoretically about this, but when we come back up later, we're going to actually practice it and, and kind of go through that a little bit. But, what, but in this, in, as I was going back and looking over my uh, journal here, uh, I was just in shock that it worked, that God could use me. Uh, when the guy went back to his seat, I just stood there like in awe. And what I've learned is both historically, historical evidence and experiential evidence has taught me that praying for each other, laying hands on each other, uh, inviting the Holy Spirit to come and move on a person, to have expectation that God wants to meet us in both the big and the small and everywhere in between, that that didn't just happen in the Bible, but that should be a normal part of our everyday gatherings together, that we can expect that the God who loves us, that he wants to make himself known to us, he wants to love on us, he wants to care for us, he wants to meet us in our needs. You know, I think... Often, we think, uh, we just think, I, I don't think, God, you can use me. You know, I was not very nice to my spouse or my kids today. I don't think he can use me. Yes, he can. He can still use you, even if you've not been a great person that day. Uh, I think, hey, come on, I think often my problems are too small. Like, I don't want to burden anybody to get prayer at the end of the service. No problems are too small. You know, if, I, if we said, hey, who's perfect? Raise your hand. Whose life is perfect right now? Okay, you can leave. The rest of us are all going to stick around here and pray for each other. I'm pretty sure nobody would get up, right? And so when we pray at the end of our services, like, like there's an expectation in me that I should, we should see lots of people pray because no problem is too big or too small. And why not? Why would we leave? Why would we come in with burdens and leave with those burdens? Why would we not bring them before the Lord? Why would we not engage with, with, with him in that time? So here's what we're going to do. We're going to go back into worship. We're going to, and I would encourage you to worship with, like we talked about last week, uh, with everything that we have before the Lord. And then I'm actually going to come back up and we're going to talk about, okay, well, what does this actually look like? to pray for people. What are are like the steps and how do we actually do that? So let's worship and then we'll come back up and do that. Well, thanks so much for joining us today. I hope that what you heard has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. For more information and to contact us, go to vcdc.org. We'll bless you. Have a wonderful week.